Okay, well here we are, Street Smart Business. I have the beautiful and lovely Kelly Lippus with me today. And Kelly, what is the exact name of your position? Um, I am the Executive Director of the Huron County Chamber of Commerce in Norwalk Area Visitors Bureau. So what, is, what does that mean? What does is, what is the Director of the Chamber of Commerce do? What's, what's like the job description? For oh geez, for the last three years I think that's been the question um, and the, the search that, that I've been on. But the more that I really think about it and get into this position, it's really just the connector. The knower of all things. The, the person that's a resource that's available and if I don't know, I try my best to find out, but it's really connecting people, serving the community. Now you, um, to get to know Kelly a little bit, you know, you, we have to go backwards yes. like we always do. <laughs> so what, um, first of all, who is Kelly Lippis? Oh geez, I think I still try to figure that out every day. Um, I'm a mom, I've been a mom for 16 years, with beautiful twin girls, and I think that's my number one utmost position that I love the most. Um, and I. I think that I'm just multidimensional, trying to figure it out. I, I love people. I love new things. Um, I love to figure out and kind of work puzzles. And it, it really is. It's a work in progress every day. A work in progress. It is. And that's I'm okay. I'm nonstop learning. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, well, you came from a medical background before coming to the chamber. So... Hey, what did you do? Medi- I mean, what, what's your medical background? And then what was it like to transition from, I mean, it's, it's night and day going from the medical field to a civic type position and responsibility. So what was that like? Yeah, so I kind of fell into nursing. So I have actually been an LPN for 15 years. Um, I am, I had my girls very young at 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And kind of at 18, I actually had a full ride to to Kent State. And I wanted to go there and I wanted to do those things. And um, it ended up not being able to happen because I became a mother. So it's kind of thinking, sitting back thinking of what I could do. Um, Somebody presented they were going to go apply at Ehobie for LPN school. And I was with them, and I was like, hey, I'll go. Let me try. Well, I ended up getting in, and they did not. And so I was like, well, here I go. So I had my girls, and at two months old, I went to full-time nursing school um, and ended up loving it. And it was really more about taking care of people. It was just making people feel good and having that responsibility. I actually, at first, was a little scary, but I actually found very rewarding afterwards because... People needed to count on me, and I could produce on that. And so that was very selfishly satisfying for me. Um, So throughout my career, I started a big hospital, and within six months working, you know, the graveyard shift, they offered me a position they created to do admissions, and, and I just all day got to talk to people and welcome them in, and our satisfaction rating went up, so I kind of started learning a lot about the business side of things. Um, moved a couple different places um, and... Kids in tow. Always. And mm-hmm. um, just to kind of experience, I didn't, I wasn't quite ready to settle in this area. I never really saw myself. I grew up in Huron, Ohio. Very, mm-hmm. very small, just like here in North. Metropolis. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and so kind of fast forward... Um, when I left, I moved to Cincinnati and then Michigan. And then when I left Michigan and came back, um, I ended up working for a facility here in Norwalk that was family owned. Um, and ended up doing their kind of business development. Mm. Didn't really have any background in it or anything other than I was always very curious and always asked a lot of questions and always was really, really wanted to know how the money worked. Like, how do you get paid for this? 
right. how how are we taking care of these people? Like, where is this money coming from? And really learning Medicare and Medicaid and all that stuff that's super boring to a lot of people, but I right. actually loved it. Um, and I got to go to do cool things. I got to go to the fancy dinners and go to all the charity events, and I liked that part of it. Um, now, while you were doing business development, were you also still practicing you know, doing doing nursing art yeah. you know, stuff. Yeah. So, and actually, still to this day, I do. So, um, I especially now during the the Rona, mm-hmm. um, I'm still working probably three or four nights a week, um, anywhere from four to eight hours a night, just because of the nursing shortage that's around, and people just you know kind of need that. And I also feel like that's kind of my duty when I you know cut my nursing license out, things like that. If I can fill that, then mm-hmm. I I need to do that. And so, um, and that kind of takes care of a, a different side of me too, to make sure that, <laughs> you know, that I am, you know, continuing to, to take care of people and things like I, that's definitely a huge part of who I am. Um, so kind of fast forward, um, when I worked at, and the facility was Gaymont, which everyone pretty much knows, it was right. owned by the Dotsons, and yep. so they they gave me tons and tons of opportunity um, to be able to um, kind of do different things and gave me a lot of autonomy. So within the business development, I was actually able to create like new programs. So I was renovated buildings. I was an apartment manager. I mean, just all these different random things because I... I asked if I could because I just wanted to learn how to do it. It wasn't right, right. ever necessarily like, hey, you want to do this? I mean, it always turns into that. But initially, it was me just really asking the right questions and trying to figure that out and having, you know, employers that saw that in me that was like, all right, let's give this girl a chance. Let's see what she can do because, you know, you grow good people. And I've right. really taken that, you know, as an employer now myself, taken that and try to find people that I could grow and, and build because that's a great asset to be able to well, have. It's kind of our job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got who's going to take over for us? And, you know, <laughs> we want to work with good people and, you know, we want other people to kind of serve our community. Um, so, yeah, so when I was at Gaymont, um, Aaron Dotson was very involved in the chamber. And um, I had gone to many chamber functions and everything, and the executive director at the time, Melissa James, who was there for 16 years, um, resigned. Okay. So Aaron comes to me and was like, hey, I got a plan for you. Right. Like, <laughs> hey, I think you'd be really good for this job. And I'm here like... Are you like? Do I need to leave? Like, did I do right. something wrong? Like, right. why are you trying to find me another job? We'll mail you your last check. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, have fun. Um, and so that's kind of how that started. Would I have ever applied for a job like that if I didn't have somebody pushing me? I could probably honestly say no. Mm-hmm. I would never have been able to correlate the two to understand like how can I take you know nursing and healthcare you know because if anybody's ever tried to sell healthcare it's not the easiest thing to do right um, but it was kind of my niche I was really good at it um, but when I really kind of started learning more about the chamber and the ins and outs and what they did it really is about taking care of people just in a completely different way right. it's you know, it's making sure that their businesses survive. It's making sure they have proper resources, you know, helping the community build a good workforce to be able right. to keep the businesses, um, you know, afloat and, you know, stable and all of that. So it is the same, just a little different. Now, you've, I mean, we've got uh, five podcast future worth of information to unpack out of the, the last four or five minutes. But there's a couple things that, again, I'm going to try, because we've known each other for years now, and I want to try to pull out the things that I think that have made you um, a unicorn, different than most. 
Um, and one is I want to go back to, you know, if you had your, your beautiful daughters at age 18, you were forced to make a decision. Was it something inside of you that decided that I'm going to have a career, I'm going to stand on my own two feet, I'm going to have a successful life and raise, you know, great kids? Because we see statistically, you would be an outlier. Right, right. So what was that like then? I mean, what... What was it? Was it a feeling, uh, an instinct? Was it somebody from the outside that helped coach you through? Or what, what, I guess, just how did you come to that decision? You know, I think that I didn't feel like I had a choice otherwise. Not because there was a lot of pressure on me, but I had a wonderful upbringing. Of course, I had some issues, which is a whole other podcast <laughs> in itself. That really, truly is. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, but it is. It's okay, though. Um, But I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. You know, my parents owned a concrete construction company for 22 years. And, you know, my mom was the, you know, VP of it. And she did everything from scheduling the concrete to payroll to all this stuff. And they worked 24 hours a day. My dad was probably one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life. You know, right. uh, my grandparent, my, my grandpa, my uncles have owned restaurants. I mean, my, one of my first jobs was doing the liquor order for one of the restaurants at like eight years old. Like, who does that? Makes you know? total sense. Right. Why yeah. not? But I always was around <laughs> Did them. you sample to figure out which liquors were best for the establishment? That, that was absolutely. One of, the, one of my favorite <laughs> memories actually was going behind the bar at lunchtime and making my grandpa and his best friend, George Shield, rum and coke. Oh, that's what that's what they drank, and so they thought it was cute, and I, that's what I did. So I, <laughs> so I've always been pretty good at making. What's the statute of limitations <laughs> on that? I wonder. Should yeah. we uh, buzz that one out of here? I, yeah, I think I think seven years is the max. Okay. I'm way past that. But no, I think it was just watching that, and and also watching them fail, like knowing you know seeing things, and it's just funny that now, kind of especially being in this position, and and seeing other people's struggles and seeing what they go through, the things that I can remember my mom and dad talking about or my grandpa or my uncles talking about that didn't necessarily make sense, now it does. Like right. how, you know, when you go take phones out. you know, I can just remember these very distinct conversations that it actually helps me make decisions now gotcha. and being able to kind of take a risk. So when it comes to, you know, when I made that decision in 18, like, what am I going to do? First of all, make the decision to have my children, sure, you sure. know, and then also then make the decision, like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go, you know, no offense, but live on, you know, Metro and all this? No. But did I utilize those safety net services while I was going through it? Yeah. So what's your mentor? Oh, my gosh. I'll never forget. I was so upset because... I was like, Mom, like, I think I'm going to have to do, like, you know, income-based housing. And, she, I, I, like, we don't do that. And she was like, I've paid enough in taxes. And as long as you don't live on that, you should not feel bad whatsoever for exactly utilizing right. it. Yep. And I'll never forget, too, when I finally got my first nursing job. I mean, I think I was, like, 15 or $16 an hour. But that was, like, huge to me. Sure. I was 19 years old. LPM programs, a one-year program. So here I am at 19. And sure, minimum wage, and it was probably, like, five fifty. Right. Like, I'm, And so I go to the office, like, oh, my gosh, I got a job. It's my first pay stuff. And she was, the manager was actually shocked. That, like, I went and said, hey, you need to up my rent, or if I don't qualify anymore, what's my move-out date? Right. She's like, Nobody your review's that. not for six months. I was like, I know. <laughs> you know, things like that, because you, I didn't feel that it was necessary to continue to use that kind of stuff. Yep. So it wasn't really an option for me. 
and I wanted to make sure my kids had a good life as best as I could give them. Now, of course, we've had struggles along the way, and we still continue to do, but we don't live in those spaces. And mm-hmm. what else, you know, I want them to learn that. Right. And, so, I mean, that comes to a big, you know, we, we talk about social services and all these programs, and you can be, you know, the hardliner that says, you know, you know go get a job, or, you know, you got... And, and again, it's easy when you write your tax bill out every year and you pay it, you know, to have feelings like that. But at the same time, you know, we have these cases like how you did where it was used exactly de- by definition how it was supposed to be. It was a temporary solution to a problem, not a permanent lifestyle choice. Right, right. Um, and, and, that's, and that's something that's very neat. Now, um, how do we get, I mean, what's the, how do we... What's the hard wiring? What's the lesson? What's the that we can put in other young mothers that find themselves in this situation where they opt for the path that you walked? Because your path was not the easiest. Right. You, there was an easier path you could have took. You chose the hard path, but the right path, in my personal opinion. I mean, how come or what's the difference between your thought process during there and what's typical? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with how how kids are raised and the what they are, the experience that they're that they're given. You know, and the participation trophies, all these things that people are just kind of given. I think we actually do everyone a disservice for it. I think that we have to be able to show that it's not this Instagram lifestyle. You have to work for mm-hmm. things. You're going to have failure. You're going to have hardships, but the option isn't to stop. And if you did come from a home that necessarily wasn't the best or broken, you have to be able to somehow garner enough strength to be able to stop that, to be able to show different because there is a better way. And I really think that it kind of goes back to mentorship. I've had so many people along the way, especially like when I was at Firelands Hospital. I mean, I had so many people that were like, oh my gosh, Kelly, you could do this. You, that just kind of saw this, you know, in me. And one of my favorite quotes in, that I ever saw, or favorite things that were said about me, it's terrible. I'm not, never really the one that likes to talk about myself <laughs> over here. Yeah, it never happens. This is the first time <laughs> ever. And we're going to catch it on audio. I know. But uh, one of my favorite physicians, um, his name was Dr. Parnell. He was on the the unit that I worked on at Firelands. And when I got my job at the chamber, and it was in the paper, and I think my sister shared it or something, he commented, like, I knew you were destined for great things when I met you. And that, like, felt so good because he met me at 19 years old, you know, and here I am. You know, I'm 35. (laughs) You know, so I was, what, 32 when I took this position. That meant so much to me that he still remembered me. I hadn't worked at Firelands for 10 years, and he still remembered me from that. But it's that grit. It was was me being curious. And I think that it was having good people around me and finding those people that that this is how you can do it. But I really think that when it comes to the, the kids and, you know, if you're a young mother or if you were dealt a bad, you know, childhood, which it, it happens, mm-hmm. it is about never giving up on that, never giving up on that you deserve more because I think that that can be the mindset. Mm-hmm. I think the mindset is people don't feel like they deserve it, and you do. You deserve it. The other thing that's kind of annoying to me, um, and I think problems, you know, is symptomatic of the problem, is that there's not enough sunlight given on the unicorn, you know, the ones that make it. 
So we're to think that very few do. That, you know, the odds are you can bust your ass, you can do as good as you can, but you're just, the system set against you. Life is set against you. You know, you're just not going to make it because of who you are. You had young, you know, kids when you were young. You have the wrong skin color. You have the wrong sexual orientation. Whatever it is, there's an excuse that you can't, excuse is the wrong word. There's a reason, a rationale sure. behind why you. acceptable reason. Yes. That, that society yes. accepts that. Yes. That excuse, I think, is actually a good word. Yep. Because it really is. I think that, that there is this, you, it, it comes down to your mindset. You can sit there and think, okay, well, this portion of, mm-hmm. of the community of society i'm okay where i'm at so yeah. i'm not going to focus on the other ones that want to push me to go forward or or anything because i'm okay set over here the one thing that's cool about humanity and it doesn't matter where you were born where you were raised or whatever i honestly believe in all my heart we're born with that desire to have more to be more to make a difference to create a legacy you know to, to provide for the ones we care about i i just think that's you know, uh, we had a bunch of kittens that were, that were uh, their mom died when we bought, uh, bought a house. So uh, Tracy and the girls raised them with bottles. No, I would yeah. never think that. Yeah. You know, I would never think that. We got, we got old, old McDonald's cat farm going on here. <laughs> um, but anyways, what's funny is, is those cats never had a mom. Mm-hmm. They never had any experience outside. But yet you watch them today as adult cats, and they have all the same characteristics and, and reactions that were never taught to them by a single, by, by a mom, by another cat, by a right. dog, by any animal. We didn't get down on the ground and teach them how to leap. Nope. So I think all of us are born with this in our DNA that we're, that we're just, there's this goal, there's this drive, there's this vision to be more. And the problem comes in is that society, because we want to dumb down, we want the participation trophy. We want, you know, you know Timmy showed up, so he won. You know, there's no, all we see is the, the mean, the average, the, you know, the, 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 the vanilla. Right. We don't get to see, it's not, it's not championed, it's not right. taught, you know, how to be more than that. You almost feel guilty sometimes, too. Sure. Um, to, to be able, like, kind of earlier when I was like, oh, I don't really like talking about myself, like, I almost feel guilty doing that. Right. You know, I think that's a comfort level, and if you really kind of... Think about we are born to continue to grow, to continue to kind of exceed those expectations because that's developmental at its finest. I mean, right. we, you know, you're born with a few things that are, you know, automatic. You're born with your breathing, your circulatory system, those things. A lot of I know how to eat all the time. Hundred, yeah, no, no problem. It's automatic. You were at no back in. Look over here. I can see it. <laughs> Hopefully, we're still this up, but it's okay. Um, no, I mean, that 100% is. And mm-hmm. so where is that breakdown when, yep. when people... And I do think it comes back to kind of that self-esteem, that encouragement piece of it. Uh, piece yep. of it. And how do we teach, how do we teach, especially the young individuals, that even if you weren't fortified now as far as like a mentor or, you know, a great dad or a mom or aunt or uncle, because families are not the same as they were 20, 30 years ago. And we need to get over that. Yep. People are not raised the right way, but... How can we teach them to seek that out themselves and to know that that's okay, you deserve it? I mean, I I do think that we are born to naturally evolve and naturally be able to kind of go out and get. And it's okay if not everybody is completely successful at that. I think it's not okay that everybody doesn't understand that they have that opportunity. You know, like in your case, you talked about the doctor that, you know, he, he spoke 
he spoke um, your value to you. And maybe it was one of those times where it was somebody outside of your family. It was maybe one of those only times that you ever heard it. But the thing that we try to impart on everybody, at least through the you know consulting and stuff we do, is that the most important voice you hear is the one that you talk to yourself mm-hmm. with. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you or, or what they believe about you. It's what you say to yourself, what you say about yourself, and what you believe about yourself. Right. Um, and I think that's the only way. But again, in our current model, we're in a groupthink model. It's where you're supposed to think the same as everybody else. Vanilla's okay. You know, we don't want you, oh, come back down to our, hey, get back down here. There's no, hey, get up here, ever. No. But there's no, hey, get back here, all all the time. Right. So, I mean, we definitely need to teach our kids or or, or at least work with them to, you know, you got to believe in yourself. You got to talk to yourself. You know, there's these good examples out there that if this person did it, if this person did it, and look, but look what the you know they, they grew up in, in 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 you know poverty. This person grew up with a silver spoon in the mouth. He failed. She you know she was successful. You know anybody can do it. Right. Now we're on the Street Smart Business podcast, so we got to you got to do a little justice here and talk <laughs> a little business. Um, you mentioned that you when you went to work at the nursing facility that uh, you did business development. Yes. So what does business development look like in that environment? So primarily, so if you look at how a facility is fed as far as financially, you need bed. You need people to fill beds. Understand. But even more than that, you need people to fill beds with different payers. Now I can get really boring and I'm gonna try not to. But we'll delete it out. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> edit that part out. That's fine. <laughs> but it depends on the type of the people that you get to put the beds, their insurances, because that's a, that's another podcast, insurance. Sure, sure. But um, kind of having that ni- nice mix. But more importantly, it's developing those relationships with the hospitals, with the different organizations, um, with the community members, so that not only do they know that you are a safe place and that you are going to take care of them if it's rehab or living long-term or anything, but that you are also, you know, a stand-up business in the community you know that's one thing that I learned very quick about Norwalk is um, in Heron County in general just our area is that if you are not connected to the community mm-hmm. nobody knows about you you're you're not as trusted as someone else sure. you don't even have to be necessarily connected to the community for what what your business necessarily does so I might go to the rotaries and to the Kiwanis's and all that stuff that doesn't necessarily mean that's my population of people I'm polling from but I might have an aunt of you know what I mean a a niece of an aunt that needs to be placed you're planting seeds 100% Mm -hmm. I mean I still get called to this day from people that I've taken care of their or placed their loved ones before they know I'm not even in that role anymore but they still call and ask for my advice not because like I was Oh my gosh, so amazing! But because I made myself trusted, they so what's knew. the business right here? I mean, you just nailed on. This is a gold nugget. Everybody should be writing down this, listening. So what? What's the business lesson that you just said right there? Why did somebody call you when you're not in a position that could even help them? Why was that phone call made to you? Because they knew that I would not leave them without an answer. They knew that I would talk with them, I would talk through anything with them, and I would leave them with a resource going forward. I really do. I think it's that that trust piece of it. You know, and I 
I've worked very hard to keep that about myself. I think that goes back to integrity. Mm. Have I screwed up sometimes? Absolutely. But it's, it? yeah, it's mm. that, that being that trusted resource for people. And I think it does. It comes down to people knowing that, that they can count on you, they can rely on you. And even if you give them that answer that they don't want to hear, mm. it's they're not even upset with you about it. Right. And so by me being able to create those relationships in the community. Now, granted, I have to give, you know, my bo- my ex-bosses some credit because they did a very good job at that themselves. For sure. But by creating those, I, you know, we were able to fill beds. We were able to expand services. We were able to do all of those things because of our position that, that I really tried my hardest at to get in the community. So sales lesson number one that you just, I mean, again, there's a, <laughs> we could unpack this piece for like an hour. Um, is one is is you the people that you were interacting with had a hundred percent belief that you were putting their interest before your own. One hundred percent. So that already tells me that you know there's a level of trust that's been created. Right. So we're in a society today where customer service sucks. I mean, even in our little county and our cities, customer service sucks. Mm-hmm. So when you go out and you half-ass it. You're actually a rock star. Oh, oh my gosh, the service here is yes. just awesome. Yes. I mean, it took them two weeks a week to call me, it took two weeks to deliver, <laughs> but hey, that was better than the month I got over right. here. So sales lesson number one, man, you ha- the client has to know that in all cases that you're putting their, their best interests, their needs, their wants and their, their desires before your own. And making yourself available to yep. them. You know, I, there isn't anyone, I mean, there isn't anybody that I don't won't give my cell phone number to. And I'll even say to them, hey, if I don't answer... That doesn't mean you'll block them eventually. Right, or if I send it a voicemail here or there, if I if I tried my hardest with you and I need to breathe for a minute. But, you know, it's it's making sure that they're available. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you text me at, you know, 9.30 at night because you're, you know, in a crisis you don't want to talk to. I might not even be able to solve your solution. But that's okay. You needed somebody to talk through. And I'm happy to be that person for you. Yep. And then lesson number two. I feel two. honored. Yeah. You took the complex... You just talked about all the insurances, all the government-based, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, plans to help pay for your care. You made all of that, and you took it from super complicated to super simple so they could understand it. Well, and I think also one of, if we take just a look at healthcare and the information piece of it, I think that now more than ever, it is so hard to decipher what is true and what mm-hmm. is right. And you always feel like you're being sold to. And you always feel like you're not getting the full story. So before I would ever even accept somebody to come into a facility, I needed to talk to whoever was in charge of that person's finances because you needed to know what you could expect right. as far as a bill comes. Because right. nobody likes those pop-up things. Healthcare is not cheap. <laughs> so, you know, it's actually funny. When I was in that role, I talked to my phone so much. And my phone still is a source of anxiety for me. <laughs> like, I understand. <laughs> it is. I talked on the phone so much. My girls knew they could explain to you what the Medicare benefit was, what the skill, how much it paid for. They how heard many you say it so many times. My, and it was actually like this, it was funny. Like, it was like this mocking. Like, I would be on the phone <laughs> in the car with somebody, and they'd be in the background. Shut up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, Do you have an echo in the car? Right. And I'm like, geez, you know. They would actually, because, no you you cannot ever say you know and that's actually come back to be very helpful especially when you had somebody you know down the line well I didn't know I gave the same speech and I very much so know I did tell you that you know because mm-hmm. I would never have said hey and got your paperwork ready and brought you in if, if we didn't have that conversation because that's important to me yep. that was very very important it was very important to the 
the brand of the facility I worked at. Yep. And the other thing, I guess business lesson number three of, of unpacking this, is that the more complicated your product or service is, the more, if you want to make sell without selling, is people want to have a contact. You know, so much of what we're doing now is to create digital answers and automatic answers and FAQs and all this other stuff. The, the higher ticket your item is, the more complicated it is, um, you have to have a contact. And by giving out your cell, you know, not having to even go through the switchboard at the, at the facility to get to you, that just, again, that just does nothing but build credibility and trust. Right, on both ends, because not only are you dealing with the family members that, that are calling, you're dealing with hospitals that have a plethora of places they can pick from to place somebody. Right. And I needed to make sure that they knew that they could call me and then also trust my answer. If I said that, hey, no, they are not, you know, we aren't going to be able to best suit their needs and care for them the way they need. I know it's a Sunday afternoon and you need them out. You've had a discharge order in there for, you know, 24 hours, but I'm just like, they, we, they're not right. But hey, I know here's so-and-so and so-and-so. I feel right. like they'd fit over there. Why don't you refer them there? Oh, I understand. You know, it, trying yep. to kind of lay that off because I was, a lot of times we were the first call from the ER because we were the path of least resistance. So that that gave us credibility in the healthcare system. That actually helped me personally down the road. You know, it gave sure. us credibility there, and it was very helpful. And it was a seamless transition. I mean, not only do you when you're working with people and you're it, you're you're taking somebody that has had a fragile medical event, so they're already already upset. They're already anxious. They've had, you know, any sort of surgery or anything. So they're already at the lowest point. And right. now you're telling them they can't go home. Yeah. So so now you're... you're Person of the Year Award. Right, right. Yeah. Hey, guys, come to the nursing home. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so you. We got bingo on Sundays. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'll have fun. You know, so you're getting to this point. So you have to have not only that trust, but that compassion and understanding and just be like, this sucks. Right. I... 100% understand. It sucks. Nobody wants to go through this. You never thought you'd be making the decision right now, but we're here. Right. So this is what you can do. And just know you can always change your mind. Yeah. You can come here if you want for the weekend. If you don't like it, that's okay. Right. We'll, we'll help get you out. You can walk your way out of here. No, nope, no problem. Here's <laughs> paper. Sign up. Go for yeah. it. Even though it's worked, you know, 12 hours to get you here, but it's okay. You know, I'm just kidding. But no, yeah. that's kind of what it is. And having, like you said, those, it, it, it's a relationship building. And then I, the last part of this thing that, that we'll talk about right now is, I think, and I think the other secret sauce that you have and why you were successful in that position is would be number four, is you didn't hide the bad news. You know, if we want to stick with selling without selling, where we make it, a, where there's no obstacles to the to the transaction, is is you didn't hide what the ne negatives were, the cons were, the cost, you know, the right. process that they had to go through to get it. You get know, the shock out of it. Yeah, you you took care of that. You know, a lot of businesses, you know, they know that there's something, you know, their price is a little higher than, than maybe their competitor is, or the, the system or the process to get them to sold is, is complicated. Right. They try to hide it, and then that gives that more power. It makes it even more, you know, every time that we hide the price, the longer we hide it, the cost, the bigger it is in the client's mind. So oh. all of a sudden, they see this little teeny bit of value for this big, huge cost. <laughs> if we nuke that and negate that out of, out of the gate as much as possible... Now we have this big chunk of value, and now we've dealt with that price, and we brought the size of the price right. down. And I think you do that, and I see that a lot, you know, referring people and things like mm -hmm. that to you. You'll talk to anybody about mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Even if you know off-rip off that they aren't necessarily going to be right, yep. and, and not necessarily, you know, if it, 
hey, let you know, let let's go grab lunch, let's do anything because yep. I I really I really believe, and I work hard at this, is that you're only as good as your referral. I mean, really, if, if if you bring somebody and you can't work, and then you refer them on to somebody or you give them, but now you're a source of resource for them, you're a source mm-hmm. of education, and they're going to call you for for anything. And now you are able to network and say, okay, you really don't need me. Or you, they called you for for a gun. You know what oh, I mean? yeah. Nothing yeah. to do with what you yeah. got to do. Who got hired to put a roof on my house? Right. I don't do roofs. Right, but they trust your opinion <laughs> right. on it because they trusted you. And so, you know, if we switch it to the chamber world, that really is what I do, you know, right. for the people that take advantage of that, you know, is, is that really what it is, is that people do call and it's because they, they feel that I'm not going to, to put, you know, steer them wrong. Right. And if I do, I'll be honest about it. Like, oh man, I'm sorry. I never heard that, but I will make sure I note that. I never yeah. heard that before, but you know. Thanks for being the guinea pig for us. Yeah, I appreciate that. eliminate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you bring up the chamber and, you know, we've entered since, you know, March of 2020 when... You know, our esteemed MD uh, governor, our, you know, highly qualified medical professional that runs our state. I should have brought that. Uh, <laughs> our, <laughs> our governor's an idiot sign. Uh, no disrespect intended. Okay. Uh, editorial comments aside. Yes. No, what happened is, is you know, you, you're in the community, probably the, one of the biggest civic organizations in our county. And yet all civic organizations, all clubs, all churches, all boards, all committees are now struggling mm-hmm. mightily to get participation, um, to, to make a to get something, of, some, anything accomplished. Right. What has that been like uh, for you at the chamber? I think that it's, this has probably been one of the most challenging things I've ever have to, I've ever, ever encountered. Because this isn't my normal instinct. Even though I do feel like I'm business-minded, I, I, I won't take that away from myself. I do feel like I just have like those natural instincts of, of how to do things. But man, what a year to be kind of almost a newbie <laughs> in right. this stuff. Because people are kind of looking for a lineup. You're, nobody's getting the same information. So I really try to be that. One thing, and I'll just kind of say this out loud, that I don't necessarily like about my position is that I can't necessarily always speak what I want to speak because I represent an organization. Right. And that, to me, sometimes makes me feel super unauthentic, and I don't like that. I don't. I yep. Because, but at the same time, I wouldn't be doing my service if I didn't think of everyone as a whole. Sure. So that has been extremely difficult for me and probably the most challenging thing I've, I've done in my any professional career I've had because it, that sucks. Oh, <laughs> really sure. bad. Sure. Really, really bad. So... I think it really goes back to, and even the chamber, we've kind of been in this renaissance for three years. They were, even before I came in to play, what's the, things are changing. And I think that these organizations that instantly were like, oh crap, like what are we going to do? What what you're going to do is start thinking for now, but also five years. The way people are going to gather, the way people are going to do things, and what people feel are going to be important are going to be totally different. And our job, if anybody that's, you know, a leader or a business owner is to think forward for that. But how do you think so forward for that when every day something's changing? Right. So I think it comes back down to information and education of what you do and getting those people that are the supporters and to know and really finding the niche. So like as a chamber's concerned, I really kind of find ourselves more as we've gone through this as kind of just that puzzle, that connecting piece of it. You know, every, you know, business and person and organization is a piece of your community puzzle. And the chamber really 
is best suited to put that puzzle together. Right. Doesn't mean we run everything or need a seat at every single table. We just need people to know, like, if you can run it through us. We we can help kind of bridge those together. So what I say to these community organizations is that you don't want the Lions Club and Qantas Clubs and um, and Rotaries to go away. You know, those mm-hmm. are your, your standard, sure. you know, and even the JCs, which is your younger crowd. The best thing that they can all do is educate people of what they do. What is their piece? How are they bringing anything to the community? You know, what right. what do you do? Because I think everyone has always just been so comfortable. You've just had your normal people that have supported it. You've had your, you know, multi-general or generation businesses that you know is going to send that membership check in. Right. They, they've done it forever. No, we you you cannot think like that. Right. You have to be able to be explain what you're doing, how you're going to do it, and how are you fitting in into the, into the community? Because people are a lot more community-minded now, as they should be. But don't sell them. Make them feel the reason why they need to be involved in these things and why you're important. You know, the Lions Club is more than just the, the 4th of July parade. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Right, Which right, I'm right. pretty sure not everybody even knew it was the Lions Club until this year. And yeah. they had to cancel it. Right. They, they just thought that just happened. You know? Okay, well, they, they do eyeglasses. Do you guys know that all these things... and. Explain that to people. That's you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to grow anywhere unless people know what you do. And I and I, you know, struggle with that every single day too because it's constantly changing. The one thing that seems to apparent is that you know there's a lot of uh, multi generational businesses again, small, large, whatever, that haven't really um, changed. Mm-hmm. You know, adapted. Right. And, you know, so they're still, again, trying to do things the way they did in 1984, like it's 1984. Right. And I think our civic organizations, because most of them are 100% volunteer-driven. Right. So as life has gotten more chaotic, more busy, all these, you know, look, there's a kitten. You know, everything, there's a distraction everywhere that we've seen them try to get by on past laurels. You know, and they're not being ran as a business. It's trying to go out. Again, there's a crowded, lot noisy space out there. Lots of noise. And all of a sudden, the Lions, for example, JC's one of them, had to say, okay, hey, come see us. Come see us. Give us money. Donate to us. Why? But 80,000 other people that are all have their hand out or right. wanting the same time commitment that, that those organizations do. Um, there's going to have to be a change. There is. And, and, I, and there's some hard truths out there. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll never forget when, when I first started the chamber, we started to take things a lot more digital. You know, yep. I had, I, we have less staff now that we did, but I had Tony who was upon the previous podcast. Wonderful. I miss him so much. But, you know, we were able to really kind of get more in front of people. Well, equally the amount of people that I had love that. I had people that are like, so I have to go on Facebook to be able to find you? Yep. If you're not on Facebook, even Eric Brown, you are now, but <laughs> and I've said this to you how many times, right. you know, <clears throat> even if you don't necessarily believe it, you you got you have to, mm-hmm. and I think people know that's more prevalent now than ever because, like, us as a human beings, we we are good. We talked earlier about how we don't you know how do we get people to understand they can grow and they can keep going. You've seen a lot of that this year with people figuring out okay e commerce mm-hmm. how how can you know we want to keep this business going and I can't have my brick and mortar because two employees had the, the Rona so I had to close my doors for two weeks or I right. wasn't essential which. By the way, everybody is essential. Um, and you are a hero. 
by the way. What? <laughs> 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 I was like, why? <laughs> anyway, God. Um, but no, people people have pivoted. And, you know, and I've kind of said from the beginning, you know, you have to move with informed caution and flexibility. Mm-hmm. You should probably do that all the time. Yep. You really should. It's a business strategy. You really should. You mm-hmm. should be able to pivot and you should be able to pick up and you should be able to do. But one thing is, is that you need to figure out what your core value is and go with that. Marketing is a whole other thing. I get really passionate about the whole marketing piece of things because you should be involved in these civic organizations and the United Funds and the Reach Our Youth and all mm-hmm. these community-based things. But you shouldn't just as a business start dealing out two hundred fifty dollars checks to everybody. No, you need to pick the ones that align to who you are. Right. Because you're doing every single one of those a disservice. Mm-hmm. You, if you picked five of them to give, you know, more than $250 to, but you can speak more educated about them and more passionate about them, you're doing so much of a better for not only your business, but for the community as a whole. Right. I mean, it's it's really kind of, I think, more prevalent than ever that we, we have to support our community to be there, but then again, our community has to come back and support us. And the only way it's going to do is if we both go at it. So what's going to be going forward, you look at the next 12, 18, 24 months here, you know, we're going to enter a whole different world for business owners. You know, I think that it is, I don't want to say, I don't want to necessarily say this completely wrong. I feel like we've gotten a little comfortable. I mean, even here at the so we want to initially qualify for PPP funding. Well, guess what? Now we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's going to give me a little bit of a cushion, but I cannot stop being hungry about making sure that our finances are okay sure. and making sure these things i think that we people are seeing more money now than ever but all that's gonna have to be paid back i don't mm-hmm. care that they're saying that this is forgiven i don't care anything you're paying for that eventually sooner or later it's coming back it's gonna come back yeah. around and you're gonna have to pay for that so it's don't be comfortable and don't don't be for you have to to still be lean, mm-hmm. but make the most impact that you can. And there isn't anything wrong in looking at what your overhead is. So how many businesses really could go remote and not and mm-hmm. lose all that overhead? And that's okay to say that, you yep. know? But then that also, with being able to say that from, like, the chamber and working with the city and the county so much, we also have to be prepared for empty professional offices on Main Street. Absolutely. We have to be prepared for that stuff and we have to do different things to people to entice people to come down in and you know, and so it's everybody being uncomfortable and being okay with that, but making the best decision you can at the moment and being okay with that. But don't get comfortable. It is not we are not okay. We are not out of this. We will see the ramifications from all of these bailouts, all of this for mm-hmm. years to come, just like we did back in 2008. It's just yep. different now. You know, people are scared, and, you know, there's there's a lot more of the, the health factor that goes into it, which is a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do. I think that still have to, to proceed with caution and flexibility. Do not be comfortable. Understand eventually something's going to have to be paid back. Mm-hmm. It is. And making sure that you are running your business as lean and as efficient as you can. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get back to the chamber. Um, so you have, you get, you interact with small businesses constantly. Yeah. Nonstop. So what today, when you talk to somebody, what is the number one issue? What are the hot button items that, that they're concerned about, they're scared about, they need? You know, I, honestly, I, I think that what the worst thing people are looking for right now is workforce. How are we getting people here? I think that has been 
this standard even pre-coronavirus. I think people are scared and they're worried about how they're getting traffic to the doors. Right. And, and that is definitely very scary for them. And I also think they're very scared about what's coming, how, even though they don't have to repay anything right now, when are they going to have to repay for it? Sure. And what can I help them to prepare for that? Nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows. And so I do. I think that those are, are some of the biggest. And when are these mandates going to be lifted? There's a whole gamut of things. Mm-hmm. When can I go back to full capacity? Sure. <laughs> you know, and if I can't, how how can you guys help us be able to get people in the door? You know, how can we get more traffic here? I mean, really. I think a lot of your, your stable businesses, like your insurance and your IT, um, all of these things, those have not really necessarily been super affected because you need to have insurance. You need to have these certain things. Right. I do feel like we might see a little bit of a downtick in some of those just because people, you know, businesses that might not have stayed. So if your commercial business insurance might be going down, those sort of things. But I do. I think it's mostly people nervous about tomorrow. You know, there's a new president. Are we going to be closed for three weeks? You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of been in the news. It is people are just very anxious. They don't know, and they don't know if they're going to be able to survive it. And I understand that. Right. I understand that. And it, we don't have an answer for them. So what is something that they could do, I mean, in, in your mind? what you know, If you're one of these businesses that has been, um, and I'm going to say unconstitutionally shut down, uh, or minimized, or, or you know, somebody else is making the determination about you know the the long term success or failure of your business. Right, if you're essential or not essential. What, what's something they can be doing right now? Because I mean, it is looking good for the future right now. No, um, how can you how can you keep your relationship with your clients but be remote and online based? Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Um, I think that making sure that you are having those solid relationships to whatever your clientele is. If you're retail, if you're you know business professional, whatever whatever industry you're in, keeping those relationships going and being able to quickly pivot to an online. So you look at a restaurant. How can, you know, if you're you're a restaurant right now and so, okay, you guys can be open at, you know, what is it, 50% capacity? I should know this off my head, but it's around right. that. 50% capacity, and, but you can't be, you know, till 10, but you can do to-go drinks. You know, how can you get out in front of them if, you are close. So do you offer family meals? Do you go down to a simplified menu but blast the shit out of it right. to be able to people to come and know? Do you partner? And I think a lot of it's partnering with others. So even though you're a bar or a restaurant, and of course you want people there, but do you do a promotion? So I'll just say hometown. So hometown, are you going to do a promotion with Freight House and say, hey, you know, whatever it may right. be, it's thinking outside the box. What's going to keep you going? And I I think that people have finally gotten that. And honestly, if people haven't, if, if, if these businesses have not figured out that you have to be able to pivot at, at a moment's notice, but be prepared for that, you're gonna lo- there's going to be some casualties. We don't want mm-hmm. that to happen, period. But it's like those only strong survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the, you know, one of the businesses that closed in here in county, they were going to close anyway. Like, personally, they wanted to close anyway. This was right. just kind of the reason, hey, I'm going to do it. The um, time is right. The time is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, the, the Rona's here, so we're right. going to close. So, yeah, I think it's just being able to just uh, continue to adapt. Don't get comfortable. And don't ever get comfortable. I mean, anybody can come in and, and steal your thunder and take it no matter what. Um, 
but try to be self-sufficient. Try to be as lean as possible. Like, really, you have to be able to, like, we've cut all of our expenses at the chamber. Sure. And we are, because we can't, we don't have any room for error. Right. You, we have absolutely not one room for error. And I will not be the girl that closes the chamber that's been there since 1908. I will not <laughs> be the one to do it. <laughs> Period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that involves a different zip code at some point in your life. <laughs> I'm out. I, I like palm trees anyway. I'm out. Didn't you say you have a friend with a... With oh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make I'm sure going, you have a, for sure. a VRBO to go to. Yeah, for sure. But no, I mean, I do. I think that it's... It's adjusting, it's adapting, it's overcoming. It's making sure, and you might not have been your your employee. You might have been an operator and not, mm-hmm. you know, and not actually worked. It. Get in there and work. Yep. Make sure you know. Find your right people. Make sure that your people are on top of everything. It's it's crazy. It's not over though. It's one especially as of today. It is not over. We we are in this. Well, the thing that I think what scares me for for business in general, and you know. We own our family owns several. Um, is that we're going to we're going to go into what could be a higher tax environment at all levels? Um, could be a higher, more regulation, more restrictions. You know, more things, edicts from on high come down to us. Mm-hmm. That some businesses in some sectors have been already you know put at a deficit because of how they were handled the last nine ten months. And then all of a sudden they're going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we're going to attempt to come out of that. Um, and then all of a sudden all this new stuff comes on. So there's going to have to be the most valuable part of any business is your clients. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've been trying to tell everybody that I think is critical right now is, is several things. One is we found out that depending on what you believe in life, you could be eliminated from social media. So if your business is built strictly around Facebook or one of those and you believe a certain way, all of a sudden your entire business could be harmed because you're not allowed to communicate or you get suspended or you get kicked off or whatever. And I think that's a great topic actually Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think that everybody has the right for freedom. I do not agree with, I personally do not agree with censoring anybody. I Mm -hmm. think that if you say that and you say it out loud and you are going to defend what you said, then say it. We have a choice to believe and go along with what you what you said. Period. Both point blank is what it is. Mm-hmm. And if if the powers to be don't feel like we are capable of that, well, why don't you fund our public school system better and get you? Know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. you, you, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, there's ways. See, our so, job was to solve all the world's problems today. I, I'm hour. down for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, but no, I think that if you are going to go out on social media, which is, I mean, that has blown up even more than ever has. Sure. And say things that it that are, are one way or another. You have to be okay with losing clients. Sure. Controversy isn't always bad. Mm. It 100% isn't always bad. Yep. But I will say though, if you are in a public position for a business, if you on your business page, I personally feel it should be a more of a neutral, unless you're perfectly fine with that, mm-hmm. because you will, you will be attacked in every different direction, sure. and it's out there. But you, nobody should ever be censored. But you have to be okay with the choice of somebody right. to continue to do business with you or not. The good thing too is, is I. I think it's important to have to go back when I'm going to call this old school, and it's really not old school, but <laughs> it's only been a couple years, but it's already old school. Is you truly need to have uh, landline phone numbers for people that do have them. You know, it's very few now. 
landline numbers in your in your CRM, your customer you know customer yeah. resource management software. You need to have cell phone numbers. You need to have their email address. Yeah. So if there's if you get limited on communication, there's always a way that you can contact your most valuable asset, right. your client. And one thing that we're finding is, you know, again in social media, we're getting to the point again where everybody's standing there, jumping up and down at the same time, asking for money, asking for you to do business with them. Where all of a sudden, maybe a direct mail piece now has oh my gosh, has we, some potential. We talked about that what six months ago. Yep. You know how. This, the bulk mail and the direct mail is, you know, kind of fallen by the wayside. But no, people are tired of emails. People are tired of, yeah. of the, the constant rate of messages in your in your inbox or, or text messenger. No, send me something that I can look at at my leisure and make a choice. Because I mm-hmm. feel like everybody's been forced to do so much. That's not our nature. Our human nature is not to be forced to do anything, and we've been forced, and it's unnatural. It's wrong, and it's unnatural, and it's not who we are. It's not who we are supposed to be, and it's not how business is supposed to be, period. We should not be forced. It's all a choice. Well, some of us are old and grumpy enough now that we just automatically just like, no. (laughs) We're not doing it that way. Automatically, the answer is no. No, it's not Um, happening. So I I think what's looking successful in some campaigns that we've been part of now is where some marketing or some communication during this entire process that is multi-platform, mm-hmm. that isn't just relying strictly on social, isn't strictly relying just on, you know, a, a man I'm a not going on another Zoom meeting. I'm just telling you, I'm <laughs> so over the damn Zoom meetings, I can't even explain it. Well, as long as you have your pants on, they're okay. Well, no, and actually I found, <laughs> it's funny, it's funny story. I realized, so at the very beginning, everybody on Zoom had their pictures on there. Mm-hmm. Everybody. I mean, like, and that was causing problems, like bandwidth, things like that. Yep. Now, it's totally cool not to have your picture showing. So really, like, we have no... No, we don't need to get up and get dressed in the morning. Right. Yeah, period. Because you can literally just have the, the blank So screen. why not just have a conference call then? Yeah. Why do we even <laughs> need to do that? You know what I mean? Because I could be doing something else on my computer while I'm sitting here listening. Stop. Like, ugh. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, it's nothing, nothing better than, you know, you get asked to speak to a group of people on a Zoom meeting and, and, and you know, you're doing your best and... You see somebody like doing their taxes in one frame, and the other one's like doing their makeup in the other. Yelling at my kid over here. Yeah, yeah. you know, you watch the dog run across the thing, and just like, well, I don't think, I don't think anybody's getting my message. Oh, no, but you know, when you're, everybody's being sold to. I, I think the one thing, and I think you do it best, is education. Mm-hmm. It, it goes back to trust. You can educate somebody and you can gain their trust and you can that you are going to end up with that business. And if not theirs, somebody, they're going to talk to somebody about you. Might not be directly right now that you're going to get it. But yeah, it's, it's educating people. It's making them understand that they have a choice. Right. I, am, I will be the first. That you have a choice to pay your chamber membership. You 100%. But I'll just let you know too, if you don't pay, that's okay. You mm-hmm. can still call. You sure. still call, you can still do, you know, whatever. we'll still be here for you. You know, there's just certain things you can't, you know, because that's a, we're a membership-based organization. Right. But you have a choice. And I think that people appreciate being reminded that you have a choice because we're forced into everything. Right. Now, now, for people who don't know, you know, again, been around the chamber for I don't know how many years now. Again, as the gray hairs keep coming up, it seems like it's I have them now, too. I actually wanted to reschedule this until after February 11th, but I didn't. Oh, well, we, we, hey, we can always filter it to black and white. That Can way you <laughs> nobody would know. How does a Chamber of Commerce work? I mean, how does ours work to start with? I mean, 
do you make all the decisions? Is there volunteers? Is there boards? How does that all work? So I think that every everyone does it a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a board. So we have a board of 20, which we actually just backed it down um, because just like a lot of other organizations, and I'll be a I'll be the first to admit it. You know, we have trouble with engagement on that piece of, of from a board level. Um, so you have a board of directors. So I run the day-to-day operations. Um, so I do. And I, I tend to always be a little ballsy. I will make decisions, but I always kind of, if, if I feel like it's a decision, I need to take the board, absolutely. But if I feel like I can defend my decision, I'm making it. Right. If I feel like I can go in front of it, I made it because of this, and this is my rationale behind it. And if you didn't like it and then you fired me, I'm still going to feel okay because I made that decision. Right. I could defend it. Um, so it is, it's, you know, as the, as the director of it, I really am just directing it. I am feeding the board the information to make the correct decision for the organization, for the membership and community as a whole. Um, we have turned into this year in particularly we have worked a lot with the city of Norwalk um, mm-hmm. because they are in the same boat as we are there. And I do feel like that is a great place for us to be. Um, it's creating the culture of the community that the majority of our businesses are in. Um, and how can we work with them to help mediate some situations, to help make sure that the city is on the right, in my opinion, the right path of creating the zoning laws, things that people don't ever think about or necessarily need to think about. Right. Um, but how, you know, how can we get more retail on Main Street? Well, it's the really boring meetings that you have to go through, and I want to be a part of those because I feel that's super important for the community that we're building because if businesses can't rely on other businesses, you, you have to be, everybody has to feed off of each other. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, but no, it's we're board-driven. Um, now, not only are we the chamber, we have a total separate company, which is the Norwalk Area Visitors Bureau, okay. that actually really, they work hand-in-hand hand for each other. Mm-hmm. I will say that the Visitors Bureau is a lot more event-based, so that brings a lot of the um, downtown events and the, the big light of Norwalks, which has equally been as difficult to to pivot and oh, sure. to, to kind of guide. But I do feel very proud about a lot of those things that we put out this past year, being, being able to kind of manipulate and and uh, pivot how we do things and still provide things for the community. Um, but those are board. I mean, everything is based on a board, and the board are made up of so an organization of the the of a certain amount of um, board members per industry that we serve. Oh, got you. I understand. So it's it's kind of across the board to be able to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but just about everybody else, you know, there's struggles in that in itself and making sure. Um, so the board always gets along. They all have the same opinion. There's never any politics or anything involved. Yeah. Or anything. Oh, yeah, always. You know, I think that if, we, if that did happen, we were doing, we're doing everything wrong. A hundred percent. I think right. that's anywhere. Now, do I necessarily like that? That, you know, there's some controversy and things like that sometimes. No, but if you really think about it, not just because then my life's a little harder, but it's okay. <laughs> but that's how it's supposed to be. You know, nothing great came along with everybody getting along <laughs> and everybody going the same direction. You have to be able to have some some people that really think it. The people that sit on our board, they're the ones that are really the change makers. You know, mm-hmm. they majority of them end up falling into those positions or being asked to serve on a board because they are, you know, somebody that's going to make a difference, that is a little outspoken, that 
that that really right. is passionate about what they do because how are we ever going to grow or get better or have a better community or business environment if we didn't have a little a little competitiveness you know so what does the chamber need from the community right now what's if you had an ask right now what would it be trust i think that sometimes um i think it, it trust and involvement um it's very difficult, I find, and this could just be personal, I do think that there are some directors across the country that do it this very well, but I'm explaining those little things that we do that aren't necessarily seen in the community um, right. and understanding that we are trying our best to make sure that we have all of our business still stand in the end and everybody comes out better and we have more and we're creating a business environment that people want to move their companies here. We're making sure that we have site certified land for new factories to come in and we're, we're handling employee culture to make sure that our companies understand what motivates employees of today. You know, right. all of these things that aren't necessarily, we aren't able to to say all the time because of privacy or in fact it's kind of boring to some people um, but then also involvement get in understand be somebody that wants to help somebody else um, be a part of the community shop local please and I know we say that all the time that can never go away right. <laughs> it can never go away you know if you know if you're in all if you're going to go get all state insurance find your local all state rep to give you that insurance right. you know don't just go online to get the progressive but again you know if it's twofold our businesses have to be out there and available to catch those clients so that's who we are where we need to not only educate the community on how to get a hold of our businesses, but our businesses need to understand they need to be flexible and out there for them. So anybody, whether they're a business owner or not, a citizen of Norwalk, a citizen of Huron County, if they want to know about the chamber, if they want to ask hard questions, because, you know, they, they're not sure, they're available to, they can call anytime, stop in anytime when the yeah. office is open, yeah. um, and find out why, you know, Get all the questions answered so they have, you know, they're, they're willing to support it yeah. all the time. And even if they don't like the answers, that's okay. You know what sure. I mean? I think that that's probably the time that I really find out what we're missing is when I find out, you know, what people like, but more importantly, what they don't like about something. Because people are more apt to tell you what they don't like, and then it's my job to decipher that, to figure out, is that just something that we're not going to be able to fix for this individual, or is that a whole piece that we're missing that could benefit all of our businesses. Right. Because if we have healthy business community and we have a healthy community, everybody is happy. Right. Now, what would make, you know, we, we talked about we just had to par down the board of directors, the, the, the count, just because, you know, again, it's hard to get up enough people in one spot at one time these days. Right. Even with Zoom. Yes. You know, I don't know how, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, so what makes, if you're going to be on a board of, of the chamber or any of these civic organizations, what makes a, you know, who should apply for that? Who should check in? Who do you want to be on that board? No matter what organization you're in. You know, honestly, I, I kind of look back to how like, I was at 19 years old. I wasn't anybody that anybody thought would have done anything. I mean, but I was inquisitive. I wanted to know. I I want to work with people like that. I want to work with the people that are up and coming, but I also, we need a good mix. We need the business owners that have been here through the generations to keep those traditions here because there's value and validity in that. Uh, but then also the ones that are coming up that 
very much so want to make a difference and also want to succeed, still have that grit and that ambition for it. That's what we need. And how are you thinking different? How are you doing your business different? Um, anybody that, that can that is thinking for themselves, that has a general um, want to serve your community, you know, serve your community and your business community, um, that's who we want. So it doesn't always have to be that that, that business owner. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It, it could be somebody under the business that, that could potentially want to sit in that seat. So somebody that works for a yeah. company in town, you know, a key employee, you yeah. know, somebody or even rank and file that, that wants to represent that business in that position. As long as they're coming to it with the, with the work gloves on, the work clothes yeah. on, um, they're welcome. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because it, it takes everyone. It takes a, it takes every demographic, everything for us to be able to prosper. It seems like in our area, especially that the and again, I was on the chamber board for a bit, uh, and there were times where it was both frustrating and rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like a lot of times people get on there because they think it looks good for their business. That you know, chamber, it is a great resume builder. Yeah, you know, chamber board of director. For but sure. if you show up and you just vote, hey, 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 do you even know what you're voting for? Yeah. You know, and, and you don't actually, you know, make an impact of some kind. You know, that may always makes me question your, you know, your your motives and stuff anyways. Um, what is, you know, again, we have a lot of new businesses, I think, that are going to be sprouted out of these yes. times. If you're a new business, what can the chamber do for you? Um, the connection. Or you have an idea for a new business. Yeah. So I like to, I, we work really well with um, here in County Economic Development. So if you have this business idea, I call me. I love to talk through that kind of stuff. Um, and I have people like yourself that if I feel like you need to talk a little bit more or you have some more questions, it's connecting to those people that are that want to talk through this with you and making sure that, that you know, you have kind of crossed your T's and dotted all of your I's and, and where is this coming from. Um, and then here in County Economic Development will come in for new businesses to help you with that business plan, to help you, you know, is there funding out here? Is there anything? Because, you know, we're in the world of funding right now. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, is there something, that a grant out there that you can grab? And then you come to me and... I always look at the chamber as we help businesses be successful and significant. You know, how can we continue to help you grow, be significant within this community? Because that's your largest pool of customers. Be significant, but then also be sustainable. So, you know, is it, you know, are you, oh gosh, I have a $1,000 a month rent. I can handle this. Well, let's talk about that. Do you need to? Could you go here? Oh my gosh, you know, you would pair really well. So it is kind of hard sometimes to discuss exactly how, if you're a brand new business, how we can help you because everybody is different. We don't know that until we can talk to you. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of times it is it's just saying, hey, let's, you know, especially if you're having issues with your business. Everything's confidential unless you let me tell somebody. Right. I will always ask your permission. But, I mean, I've called you in a couple times. Sure. Like, hey, it has nothing to do with your business, Eric Brown, but you're <laughs> really good at it. Can you come over here and talk to so-and-so? We've, you know, helped people. We've talked them out of right. before, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. But they've walked away knowing that we were... There for them, 100%. 100%. No matter what. We have no gain in that whatsoever other than helping you through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of have to be going forward, especially when I, I don't think anybody can truly foresee or wrap their head around um, what the e- economics of business are going to look like. Yeah. I mean... Afternoon today, with the executive orders of plenty coming, um, we have no idea how that's going to affect us. You know, back at the small business level, 
So I think, you know, to see the chamber flourish long term, we're going to have to see more of that. Yeah. I, I have a feeling. I, th I think the chamber is going to be in a transition piece where it goes from kind of the big picture, 30,000 foot, you know, directing things from afar to actually putting people in a room together, you know, actual businesses that are dealing with real life problems, real life economies, real life employee issues, and working together to solve them. Right. Because um, there's a big leech on our system right now above us. We know that. And the only way for us to survive is to not be segmented, which is, I, I feel like it's on purpose and desired, but it's to work together, collaborate. I think the secret weapon going forward, and I think you're sitting in the, this, the perfect seat to do it, is collaboration. You know, the more that we can leverage, um, there's a, a, a book out by Strategic Coach, uh, Dan Sullivan's his name. He's actually a former Norwalk native. What? Yeah, he went to St. Paul High School back like in the 70s. Oh, maybe we can get him as a speaker. Yeah. We can pull that hand. Yeah, I don't, think, I, I don't think he's coming back. I don't know. I have a way with words sometimes. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but he, he just wrote a new book that's out. I, I, I think everybody should get it. It's called Who Not How. Okay. So it's all about that leveraging other people's strengths and you, to where you're spending all your time using your strengths. So all of a sudden we start putting collaborations together where we have each business bringing their strength to whatever the offering is, whether it's a product or a service or even something that's um, charitable or, you know, for sure. the community. But you're bringing all those strengths together and everybody's only doing what they're good at and what they enjoy and what fulfills them and it has an exponential greater value. Um, and it leads to scale. Right. Which, you know, we're going to have to do. I guarantee one thing, no matter what your business is, your margins are going down. So scale is going to be the only way that you maintain or increase your, your business performance going forward. And I think the only way you can do that is going to be, I think if we try to do it internally on our own, we're going to struggle and it's going to delay, you know, success. But if we can collaborate, find those trusted relationships that we can leverage each other's talents, I think scale could happen relatively quickly. Right. No, I think that you're 100% right on that. It is. It's it's leaning on each other. It's learning from each other. And it's the collaboration piece of it, which you can't get from anyone else. I mean, you can't. You can't get... You you have to have a centralized location for that. And I do. I think you're completely right about the chamber being, being that source of it. So you've had a, a pretty... Um, you've probably had about 60 years of life rammed into to what you've done so far, and we know you're not 60. Right. You've had lots of experiences, some good, some bad. What's been the, I mean, if you, if you could have a solid piece of advice that, that you, would, you would consider, you know what, I've tried and true this thing a hundred times, and I know it's the truth. What, what would that be? I mean, what are you telling your girls? What's, you've taken some sticks up beside the head just like I have. You've had to deal with some stuff and work out of mistakes that were made just like I have. What's the lesson? You know, I think that you don't ever try to be something you're not. And I actually struggle with that. And I don't think that it's anything necessarily terrible, but you, you're you always going to constantly be trying to figure out who you are and what you're best fit at. Be okay with who you're not. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I, I do. I think that you need to, to stay to who you are and make those decisions because at the end of the day, you, you need to be confident in what you did and, and where you're at and know that it's okay to fail. It's okay to evolve. But don't ever try to be who you are because you'll never do that well and you won't leave it 
you won't leave it in, you know, you won't leave a good succession with it at all. So how does that translate to you? I mean, again, you know, we're kind of here at a tipping point in life mm-hmm. for, for all of us. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're all walking this tightrope of, of what the world is right now. Right. So what does, what does being true to yourself and what does being authentic and not being afraid to fail mean to Kelly Lippus now and then out into the future? You know, I think that a lot of it, I have like, I, I always say like I should have been born Catholic. Because I have this like guilty conscience all the time. Like I feel Got like I feel like I always owe somebody something or that I'm indebted to somebody. And I'm okay now to say I'm not. I as long as I am respectful and I am good on my word, I don't owe people shit. I don't. I owe them who I am. I owe them what I can give them and with boundaries. And that's okay. And I think that it really is. That has been my struggle for a very long time. And so when I look at where I'm going forward, I never got into this role at the chamber ever saying I was going to be here for 16 years. I would not. I don't feel anybody, it's my own personal thought, anybody should be a head of a civic organization for anything longer than like five to seven years. So term limits. 100% 100% term limits. Because at the end of the day, you have to have that growth and you have to have that change. You have to have that momentum moving forward. And at some point, we are human and we all are self-serving. We right. all end up that way, even if we don't want to be. Right. And when you're head of an organization, you should always constantly, you're serving others. And you sh- it's not about you. It's not about your gain. And I want that time and that turn to be able to have my own company, whatever that is, be able to make my own decisions, be able to not have to ask permission for things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel that I'm very confident and capable to do that. And nobody's yeah. going to tell me different. And so it is. It's being completely true to yourself. And it's making sure that you are respectful, but you don't owe people anything. You don't. You owe them your word and you owe them, you know, whatever you promised that you were going to do and you owe them to show up every single day because that's what you're choosing to do right now. But you you don't have to stay where you don't feel you belong just because you, somebody says you do. Right. So, again, um, we look at any of your mistakes, my mistakes. Would you go back and do them over? No, I think that I I wouldn't have missed out about, on opportunities because I was scared. Hundred percent. There there are so many things, and another you know, I, I absolutely would not have missed out on opportunities. I would have taken more risk because it always is okay. Mm-hmm. It, it life life will continue to go on. You you know you lose money that's terrible. Don't get me wrong, because I am believe me i'm not anywhere financially be, but i will be one day sure sure 100 well you know and i will get there um but it's okay to take some risk that's the only way you grow but yeah there's a i can look back and i don't regret on any decisions i made going but i, I regret on the missed opportunities because i felt like i owed somebody something yep. so i i didn't necessarily speak what i wanted out of it you know because i'm like oh no like I can be real ballsy. I really can. I can be very firm and I can be very direct. And, you know, that's why I think I do always navigate back to healthcare because that's so comfortable. But that's not my end game. When I look at myself, that's not. I'm not working for somebody. I'm not working for a corporation and being told what to do all the time. No, because I know that I can take care of employees well. I know I can take care of customers well. I can do that. So I can do that on my own. Right. Now, I know one thing, you know, as, as a parent, which obviously we both are. 
I kind of wonder if we haven't kind of created our own problem. Yeah. Meaning that, you know, all of us, if you look back through at our parents and our lives and stuff like that, you know, I didn't, there was nobody there to pick up the pieces when there was a mistake made of any mm-hmm. consequence. Mm-hmm. It had to be done by myself. I had to figure it out. But then, you know, you, you become a victim of your own success and the fact that you can blunt some of those bad things for your kids. Mm-hmm. You can take away some of the hard, you know, you can jump them forward and skip some steps right. to get them to where they want to go. But you got to start questioning, maybe those skips shouldn't have happened. Right. Because that's what gives you the, the, the strength, the courage to know that, you know what, I just went ape shit bad on that one. It's, it, I wrecked it. But look, that was all that happened to me. That was like, it? That was it? Like I thought my life was going to be over. Thank you. And I, oh God, and like the kids right now, I think that they are in... Not your kids. You're not talking about your kids. We're going to clarify. The kids. Okay, go the ahead. The kids. All the kids. No, <laughs> no, really. Like all of them. Maybe not Isaac, who I hope one day is my son-in-law. But um, <laughs> no, like they... I feel... I don't want to feel bad for them, but God, like how shitty, how shitty of a year that they... You know, I see such a difference in my kids. Like, and my kids are, I mean, you've been, they're yep. pretty outgoing. They yep. can talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they really are. But just their mood and their change because of you can't go to school. And, you know, my one that's like a straight A and, you know, complete go-getter and type A, the one I butt heads with the most because we're right. a lot alike, you know, she quit her sport that she did all the time. And, you know, she sleeps all the time. She doesn't, because what, what? What do they have to do? Right. What 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 do they need? Doesn't know how to cope right now. That's no. a coping mechanism. No, sure. and how do we expect them to? Right. How do we expect them to? Yeah, we won't find out. It's gonna be year oh. well, I mean we're gonna see some results right away. But, but it's, it's gonna be a while, we're gonna be like, oh crap. Right right. But if you know, if the, some of the predictions are right, then it will turn into, you know, we might have a little bit of more socialism nature. You've created a great generation to be able to do that with. Oh yeah. Yeah. So again, we go back to to the the tinfoil hat rolling around, running around <laughs> naked with our tinfoil hat on the yard. Um, that that uh, philosophy played the long game. Mm-hmm. You know, they they started educating our kids at age five, mm-hmm. and for thirty five, forty years, they religiously incrementally little bits all the way through. And now those are the people yeah. that are, uh, you know, kids of millionaires, spoiled rotten, grew up in in privilege that are out protesting that you know white privilege and that they've you know they've been screwed somehow in america right you know that's the generation that is now in charge of companies like facebook companies like you know twitter they can manipulate anything to be able to say this is right and i have a platform to be able to psychologically make you believe that you know that i'm right you know and it it is it's going to get crazy well i want to you know we've been here long enough i have taken a ton of your time but i do want to acknowledge you for a few things because i appreciate you so much taking the time to be here is one is i think something that's very cool about you is when you come into a room you bring a whole nother energy level to it you can feel it and there's just something that changes um in a group of people even at at a silly chamber function or a silly chamber meeting Something that normally would be considered bland, blah, you know, it just brings, you bring noise, you bring volume, you bring life to it. Um, And then secondly is your ability to put people together um, and not be afraid to network and and to refer people and to talk to people. I think you've planted seeds the last few years that even though, you know, there might have been some butt kicking that's happened the last few years at the chamber, you still have planted seeds that you have no idea what's going to grow yet in your future. And it's just so, so fun to be part of it. 
And as always, my every, anything that I have available to you, if you need it uh, in your future, personally or professionally, we would be glad to help out with that. So if anybody needs to get in touch with Kelly, we're going to put some contact information in the description of the video. And the Chamber is always here to help, whether you don't have a business yet and you want to start one, or if you're a community member that has no freaking idea why people are even talking <laughs> about this, or they think that they can go see Light Up Norwalk and that just magically happens. Or they're really them. upset about the Dora. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, oh, let's get the podcast we're over. Okay. Three, two, one, we're done. Not going there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much.